Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. I wanted to share just a quick story of uh, what I was writing about just the other day, because um, I'm writing this book called I Can See Clearly Now, which is uh, sort of a look back. I'm 72 now, and I look back at... Um, so many of the events uh, and the people that came into my life and the uh, the circumstances that showed up and uh, the sort of synchronicities um, that uh, you can you can uh, identify from a distance whereas when they're happening you just think i don't know why you know why is this happening to me now and what's this person doing in my life and why am i uh, you know reading about saint francis or lao tzu or whatever it might be and, and then you get back and you can begin to look at the whole tapestry of your life and you can begin to see that um, you're kind of in uh, you're kind of in, in, a, in a kind of training I, I, I quoted um, Buckminster Fuller who I was blessed to uh, meet uh, back in the 1970s at a, at a lecture he gave in Colorado um, and he said you know everyone is born a genius but uh, the, the living of life degeniuses people you know it's like people begin to be programmed away from their magnificence, away from uh, the, the awareness that who they are is this divine being. And they have, you know, these incredible powers to be able to create anything that they place their attention on, but they, they have a tendency to lose, uh, lose sight of who they really are. And I was uh, recalling the story of um, when, my public, when my agent in, the, in New York, Artie Pine, uh, who passed away a few years back, but... Uh, he um, arranged for me. I was an unknown author. Um, I had, uh, had been giving a series of lectures in Port Washington, New York, on Monday nights um, that people were paying like $5 to come and attend. And it was a, a continuing, ongoing serv- uh, series um, about living a self-actualized life based on my contacts with Abraham Maslow. And um, his uh, this lady, her name was Harriet Pine, who was married to Artie. She happened to attend one of the uh, lectures, and she mentioned to uh, her husband, who was a literary agent in New York, um, perhaps I, you know, that the material that I was talking about was very interesting and there was a good presentation. Perhaps uh, he would want to represent me if I had a book to write. And I had already written Your Erroneous Sounds. I just didn't have a publisher yet. I hadn't, uh, you know, gotten into that whole world of publishing, I had published some textbooks, but never, you know, um, and so breaking into the publishing world is, is a tough business for a lot of people. So um, he he sent me a letter and I called him and uh, he arranged for me to have a meeting with um, a gentleman in New York uh, at the T.Y. Kroll Publishing Company, uh, which later became Harper and Rowe and then became Harper Collins. Um, and um, the gentleman's name was Paul Farges, and and so Artie was all excited that he had arranged a meeting for me, and and I took my manuscript in there, and I went in, and I was just all very excited. This is going to be an opportunity for me to get a, a book published. This is 1974, 75. Um, so um, as I walked into the office, Paul was sitting behind his desk, and uh, he, I was a therapist at that time. I had a huge practice out, out, out in, on Long Island. And um, I noticed right away that he was visibly upset and emotionally sh- shaken up, and um, and he really wasn't into this interview uh, and being with this new upstate guy uh, trying to get another book published. 
but um, he kept the appointment, and uh, and I stopped and asked him, um, "What uh, what's going on, Paul? What's the what's the problem?" And uh, he almost broke down just right in front of me. He said, "Well, you know, I've got two little children, and last night my wife." Um, told me that she wanted to get divorced she had met somebody else and uh, he said I just got this news last night and so I spent the next three hours with him uh, talking to him and work helping him to uh, look at this whole situation from a from a very different perspective uh, and uh, after and I was practicing what Maslow had taught me what Albert Ellis had taught me with rational emotive therapy and, um, and I it was all of a sudden it was four o'clock in the afternoon and he had to catch a train and I had to get back I had to get over to the university and uh, and teach so um, Artie called me that night and he said so how did your meeting with Paul go are they gonna you know are they interested in your manuscript I said uh, I never even got around to the manuscript we never even talked about it not once and he just reamed me up told me how I na naive I was and how I never, I'm never going <laughs> to be able chance? to be a success in this business <laughs> you know that this is the one chance that we had he said I had to you know I had to pull so many different strings in order to get this interview for you and you go in there and you don't even talk to them I said what's the what's the matter with you and blah 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 I mean he was good-natured about it but he was very very frustrated that I that the, nothing nothing came about and, and we didn't mention the manuscript at all and the next day um that afternoon, I got a call from uh, Paul, uh, from uh, Artie, and he said, I, "He said, I just, I can't even believe this." He said, uh, "Paul called me, and he said, I don't care what his book is or what the what's in it. He said, I'm. In, he said, I want to have this man on, on our staff. I want him to be, you know, whatever he has to say, whatever he's written about. I want to publish it, and uh, and I want to help him." And that was uh, so. I mean, there's a moral to this story, and I've been writing about this. Like this was really a, a signature moment in my life. Uh, it was a great, great lesson, which is that, uh, you know, when you take your focus off of yourself and you stop asking yourself, you know, what's in it for me? What can I get? Uh, how can I uh, how can I get more? Because the mantra of the ego, the false self, uh, is uh, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Um, how, how much can I get? Whereas the mantra of the higher self, the highest place that, the, that is within you, the God that we all are, is uh, is how may I serve? How may I serve? Your your highest self uh, says, I want to reach out, and we always feel better when we're giving and offering and serving and and so on. And people have often told me that I, you know, I'm I'm generous to a fault. I'm overly generous because uh, I give most of everything that I get away. Um, and the, and most people don't really understand this whole concept of it's 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 when you give that you feel good, and when you when you're giving you become aligned with God because that's what God does. God doesn't ask anything back. He just gives. It's always in a So when you're in that state yourself, you're aligned with your highest self, with God, and um, that's when you can create virtually anything. And so by forgetting about myself and not thinking about myself and instead just reaching out to another person, which was just an instinctive thing for me to do because I was a therapist and it was obviously somebody sitting in front of me who was very upset, um, I was able to get my book published, and after that, I mean, you know, it became the number one book in the world, and uh, there have been 39 books more written since that time, and, and so many things came about as a result of that one afternoon in which I forgot about myself and just reached out to serve another person, put my own desires be, uh, in back, and just reached out and served. And there's a great lesson in that for all of us, everybody out there who's struggling and and can't figure out why things aren't going the way you want them to go. It's like uh, step back and 
and, and instead of asking what's in it for me and why aren't I getting what I want, um, use a different mantra, uh, which is, is how may I serve? Who can I reach out to? And in the process of doing that, that when that becomes your, your way of being, then things begin to show up for you in your own life. Now, the caveat for all of this is that you don't do it so that, uh, so that things will show up. It's, it's always that great line that I've used so many times but from Thoreau and so many other people have used as well. When you advance confidently in the direction of your own dreams and endeavor to live the life which you have imagined, you will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. That is, success in the form of monetary gain or the relationship that you want or the, the healing that you want or whatever will begin to chase after you rather than uh, you chasing after it. Uh, that's such anyway, a great one. We is... have that posted up on the wall here in the office. What's that? The Thoreau oh, the, quote. <laughs> the Thoreau quote, yeah. yeah advance it, confidently. It's a, yeah, it's a written, great lesson. I've written a whole chapter, and excuses be gone, I wrote a whole chapter about that, uh, just about that one line and, and how impactful it was to me. I also like the one from Joseph Campbell, you must give up the life that you planned, something like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> to have yeah. the life that is waiting for you. Yeah. You know, there's there's something something better it's so great. It's such a great lesson. Yeah, it was a great lesson. And these are the I've had a lot of those kind of lessons in my life, and I've been sort of been recalling them. And the interesting thing about it is, as I write, I I, I read this uh, sixth chapter of this book to my editor out in, in Bainbridge Island, Washington, Joanna Pyle, who's been with me for many many years of editing over thirty years, and um, she just felt it's like I've never written anything better. And I think it isn't me that's even writing. I'm just allowing it to flow and, and come through me. Well, it's kind of a personal story, isn't it? Almost like an autobiography in, in a way. It's sort of a memoir, but it's not a memoir. I'm not going through all the details of my life and all of the mistakes that I've made and all of the, you know, the ups and downs and all of that. I, I, I don't want to do that. What, I, what I'm really doing is just, um, I'm calling it, I can see clearly now. I now look back on the things that happened to me even when I was living in an orphanage and, um, and in, uh, when I was in high school, always, always in trouble with the, with the authorities. And when I was in the Navy, always in trouble with the, the establishment and, and going around it. And, uh, and when I was in college and, uh, and after that, and uh, when I was teaching and, and, and all of these different steps that I've taken in my life that were uh, based upon um, an inner need to, uh, to be able to expand and to be free and to, um, you know, to, to fulfill a destiny that, uh, that only I could feel within myself. You know, that uh, I always knew that my life was being guided and directed by something bigger than I am. And I, I see little examples all the time of, uh, of, of synchronicities, of, uh, of, a, of an awareness that there's something that I can't put my finger on and I can't explain intellectually that is, uh, that is always working. Uh, it's always working with me. And I especially notice it when I'm on purpose and, um, and fulfilling the destiny that I came here to, to fulfill, which is to, to be a teacher to, and, um, and to be uh, able to be impactful in a way that we can you know, shift the consciousness of, of the world to a place of, of more peace. And speaking of that, there was another multiple uh, killing yesterday in Milwaukee, um, another opportunity for the people in, you know, in charge, the politicians, to, to come up and have the courage. It's like, how many of these do we have to have? How many multiple killings do we have to have in this country before somebody, uh, the, our government is supposed to be protecting us from these kinds of things, is willing to do something other than to say, you know, let's just keep more guns uh, for sale. So 
anyway, it's uh, it's always a sad day when those things happen. It is, and hopefully there won't be more. But there will be always more. Always afraid. There will be. There will be because when you put out that many weapons, when you have three hundred million weapons, and so many of them are automatic weapons, they're going to be used, and accidents are going to happen, and crazy people are going to get a hold of them. Um, we have to we have to become a people of peace, and um, and begin to. Uh, stop having whole industries that are designed to just create things that are designed to to hurt each other and to kill each other um that's that's a major shift that has to take place it's what lao tzu talks so much about in the Tao Te ching 2500 years ago imagine 2500 year 500 years before the birth of christ in the warring states in china he just gave up on humanity and said that uh, and, and gave us the Tao Te ching uh and basically which is the 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 the, the great way and the great way is a way of uh, of having no weapons and having no uh, no killing and uh, and living living in harmony and peace with each other. Um, so, I'm picking up that you know that mantle and uh, trying to do my part for uh, shifting the awareness in the country. Put that word out. Anyway, yeah. So. so. That's my rant. Um, <laughs> I want to uh, encourage people to come to Maui. We're going to do a whole two-day program at the end of January on uh, on divine love, which is going to be—I've never done it before. It's going to be all something all new program. I've never tried before. Yeah, it's two full days on a different kind of love, living from from a place of divine love and attract, seeing what what you can attract into your life through divine love. And you and do have a busy coming, fall coming schedule. De- yes, yeah, going to be in Detroit uh, in November. Going to be in New York. Um, going to be in Pasadena. Um, so. And then heading over to Europe. And heading to Europe, and uh, yeah, to, and to the to the islands. I'm going to be recording what we do over there as well. So, yep, yeah, got a busy fall, and busy. Uh, I'm writing every day. So, just in case you want to know. And if <laughs> My anyone kids say, knows. Dad. Dad, can't you just take one day off? Come on, let's just go over to Hana. Let's just do this. Come on, just do, just spend one day. I said, you know, you don't, uh, you know, when you get in the middle of, of doing something, you don't leave it. You just, uh, there's a momentum to it. And uh, it's almost like leaving a friend. You know, I'm, I'm there every day. When the radio show is over, I'll be sitting down with my pen and my pencil and, uh, and my pen and my pad and, and writing for the next four or five hours. I do it every day. To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.